as we come to today, let me ask you a question. Uh, what are you trying to live up to? What are you trying to recover from? What are you trying to move past? You know, we come to uh, a guy today that uh, my guess is some of y'all have heard of, and his name's Jabez. How many of you at least heard of Jabez? And uh, how many of you read uh, the book, The Prayer of Jabez? And it's, it's a good book. And so we're going to look at him today. And for those of you who do not know Jabez, uh, Jabez's name means sorrowful or sorrow. And we're going to see it right here in the verse uh, here in a few seconds that uh, that's what his mom named him. Can you imagine naming your kid, you know, like trouble? Uh, now, we've called our kids trouble before. You know, we've uh, said, hey, are you always in trouble before? Are you always in trouble? We, we call our kids a lot of things. I nickname all of my kids. And uh, some of the nicknames are, are more appealing than others. Uh, my girls seem to have gotten more appealing nicknames. How many of you know than my sons? Uh, I seem to give uh, more sarcastic names to my sons. Uh, Jace, my oldest, his nickname is Critter. And uh, why I call him Critter, I don't know, but that's not, you know, something that you say, hey, son, I want you to live up to your name, right? Uh, when we come to Jabez, uh, his name means sorrow or sorrowful. We don't really know why his mom named him that, but the assumption is one of two things. Either he caused a lot of pain in childbirth, or he was born into a painful circumstance or situation, or even some Hebrew commentators, because of the word that is used in the Hebrew there of sorrow, uh, that maybe he had some sort of handicap. And we really don't know much uh, other than what we're going to read in these two verses about Jabez. But it's kind of interesting. When we go to the prayer of Jabez, Jabez is really praying, God, let me live beyond my name. And so I don't know what you're trying to live beyond right now. I don't know, perhaps there are some guys either on Zoom or in the room that you're trying to live beyond a past failure. You can think back of some things that you've done in the past that you're like, Lord, please don't let me, let that define me the rest of my life. Anybody have anything like that? That you look back on your life and you can think of some f failures or mistakes that you have made. And your prayer today is, God, let me live beyond my past mistake, my past failure. Um, maybe, maybe it's not the past. Maybe there's some guys in this room that you're in a season of failure that uh, your mistake, your failure has taken place just recently, and you were saying, God, is this my lot the rest of my life? Is this my station in life the rest of my life? Or God, maybe you want to pray like Jabez here in a few seconds, Lord, let me live beyond where I am right now. Maybe there are some of you that uh, your next failure is right around the corner. Your, your next mistake is right around the corner. And you want to hang on to this verse. And you want to take this verse as kind of a model for praying that says, God, let me live beyond my failure, my sorrow, my mistake, the so sorrow maybe that I was born with or that I lived with. Or perhaps for some, it's a sorrow that I've caused someone else. And as we come to Jabez, we look at two verses, 1 Chronicles, if you want to go to 1 Chronicles, chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. 
And we're going to see some lessons from Jabez uh, about succeeding and success and really how we can pray for success. Here, here's all it says. And by the way, if you go read 1 Chronicles chapter 4, it's just a genealogy. How many of you understand that? It's just a genealogy. My guess is when uh, you go for spiritual enrichment, uh, you've never looked to uh, the table of context or the index of your Bible or some of the things says, hey, let me go read a genealogy. Why? Because it's just uh, someone begets someone who begets someone else who begets someone else who was the son of someone who you don't know and you certainly don't want to be the one in your life group called upon to read the genealogy. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because you just stand up and you begin to butcher the names. And so I will tell you, even as someone that's uh, been through seminary a long time, read a lot of Hebrew, read a lot of Greek, uh, I've probably memorized uh, uh, or, or forgotten more Hebrew and more Greek and more theological French and more theological German. So, I, I mean, I, I, I still butcher the names. So if someone ever asks you to stand up and read and there's a name in there, you just take a whack at it. I mean, and don't feel like, you know, you can get into heaven. But I just wanted you to know that without knowing exactly how to pronounce these guys' names. So you can. That is good news. So if you're ever asked to read, uh, just make light of it and you just roll with it. And, uh, but as we look at this genealogy, Jabez jumps out in this genealogy. And here's what it says in verse 9 and 10. It says, Jabez, no, talking about Jabez, which means sorrowful, was more honorable than his brother's. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Then verse 10. And Jabez, whose name means sorrowful, cried out to the God of Israel and said, O Lord, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And I love these words. And God granted his request and God granted his request you know when we come to um, our spiritual journey particularly as men uh, you know praying for success doesn't sound like a spiritual thing to do praying for success is not something that a lot of times we're encouraged to do we're encouraged to pray for spiritual success, or success as dads. And by the way, I'm not opposed to spiritual success. How many of you know well, that would be good for all of us? I'm not opposed to us being good dads. Uh, I'm for that. But it's like those are spiritual prayers. But to pray that God would just simply give you success, that's not something that we're encouraged to do a lot of times in church. But I want you to know, if you look at the model and the pattern throughout Scripture, it was a consistent pattern that if uh, the children of Israel or David or somebody else was about to go out and fight, that they would pray that God would give them the victory. Let me tell you what, victory is a synonym for success, if you didn't know. Victory is, in fact, a synonym for success. And so as you and I make our journey, it is okay to pray that God would bless you and give you success. And as I thought um, in, in preparation, man, there are some common misconceptions, I think, um, for spiritual success. And, and I just kind of wrote these down. I think sometimes, if we aren't careful, we can confuse uh, being fearful with humility. 
we can, we can be fearful of trying something, of, um, of trying to go beyond where we are to where God wants me to be. And, and I say, well, I'm just being humble. When the truth is, I'm fearful. I, because if you stand up and say, hey, I'm willing to be a life group teacher. I'm willing to be a director. I'm willing to go do something for God. I'm willing to step out. There's always that chance of failure. And so a lot of times we can step back and say, oh, that's not me. I, I'm, just gonna, I'm just a humble guy. But there is a reality, I think, a lot of times we don't achieve all that God wants us to achieve, not because we're truly humble, but because we're fearful. So let me ask you a question. What in your life recently, both in your spiritual journey, in your service to God, or even in your, uh, your work life, have you chosen not to do because you know deep down in your heart you're fearful of failure? And then it's easy in the church situation to couch that as humility. Oh, that's just not me. I'm just not looking to do that. You know, that I just want to rest in the Lord. And I, I, I want you to know that if you're truly fearful, the thing to pray for is courage that God would give you the courage to step out and overcome your fear. Don't ever let Satan talk you into hiding behind the concept of humility. Because God wants your success. God wants you to be everything He has created you to be. And you say, well, Pastor, what about my past? The biblical answer to that is, what about it? Right? What about it? God still loves you. He called you. He forgave you, right? So don't be fearful of trying something. So my encouragement to you, write something down right now, guys. Say, I am fixing to do something for God. You say, is fixing in the Bible? No, but it's in Texas. And God knows what it means. And I believe every man in this room, guys, I believe every man in this room, Regardless of your past, regardless of your namesake, regardless of the sorrow, regardless of your age, you ought to be sitting here today saying, I am fixing to, or fixing to synonym here in Texas is about to. How many of you know that, right? I'm either fixing to do something to God or I'm about to do something to God. And that's where we want to be. So I want to encourage us all in this room. God's got something for you to do. And I will promise you, what God has for you to do is not just simply sit in another Bible study. I'm not anti-Bible studies. How many of you know that? I teach some of them. I'm for people sitting in Bible studies. It would be a very lonely experience for me if no one showed up to Bible study. But what's more important is what you are going to do with the rest of your week and the rest of your life and the rest of the moments and minutes in this day. And so my encouragement to you is what are you going to do for God? And don't let fear stand in your way. Don't let fear stand in your way. Go back and pray like Jabez prayed, regardless of your past. Here, here's another thought that I wrote down. So sometimes I think we're fearful of failure. Therefore, it's easy to couch as spiritual humility. And I want you to know those are not equal. God has something for each and every one of us to do. Here's the next thing. I, I think from time to time, if we aren't careful... Um, Satan can allow us to tell ourselves 
that our spiritual laziness is truly spiritual contentment. That we somehow, some way think, well, I'm just content. How many of you know being content's in the Bible, right? We, we ought to be content. Paul talks and devotes a, a lot of scripture to it where he talks about, I'm content, I'm content, I'm content. Guys, I want you to know it's okay to truly be content if you've met the pre-qualifications. It's okay to be content spiritually if we have met the pre-qualifications. I wrote down this thought. What are the pre-qualifications that we see in Paul's idea and even Jesus' idea of being content? Here is the only time you are truly content or to be truly content in a biblical sense. It's after I've worked my tail off. Notice I didn't use real spiritual language there. After I've worked my tail off and I have done everything possible that I can do, I have served God faithfully in all my words, with all of my energy, with all of my efforts, and if I've done all that, I've worked my tail off. I've done all I can possibly do in the Spirit of God, and I have served God as faithfully as I can. Then I can live with and take what comes. How many of you understand? That is true contentment, right? See, being spiritually content only biblically follows doing everything I can do. Think about the Apostle Paul. Remember in Philippians, he, he says, man, I have learned what it means to be well-fed, to be hungry, to have a lot, to have a little. Let me ask you a question. When he was well-fed, well had Paul worked for it? Y'all know Paul's life, absolutely. When he was hungry, had Paul worked for it? Absolutely. Uh, when he had a bunch? Had Paul worked for it? Absolutely. When he had very little, had Paul worked for it? See, that's the only time we can truly be spiritually content when it comes to God's Word. So, guys, I want to encourage you with this. Don't be content if you haven't done all you can do for God. Don't be content if you haven't worked, out, worked your tail off for God. Don't be content if you haven't at any moment and season in your life said, God, I'm going to do everything I can for you and your kingdom and my family and my church and the other men in my church and the other people in my church. Then we can be content and take what, take what comes. So I think there are times that we confuse being fearful uh, and, and we call it humility. I think there are other times that, that we become spiritually lazy or slack or lax. And we settle into contentment. Here's another thought I just wrote down. I think sometimes we confuse little thinking with spirituality. I think there are times that we think smaller is more spiritual, bigger is not. And, and I want you to know, if, if you were here this weekend when I taught, did you get any sense of that? In the Apostle Paul's prayer for the Ephesian believers in Ephesians chapter 3, he said, no, 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 no. He said, according to the power that works in us, that that God can do anything more than we can ask or imagine. Remember that from Sunday morning? Does that, does that sound little? Does that sound small? Paul was talking about the immensity and the amazing nature of what God can do in and through us if we're willing to go all in. Now, I love the beauty of what he said. Through the Spirit's power that works in us, but then he always came back to the corporate mentality because God wants to get the glory in the church. Now, it's not spiritual or more spiritual for me to work to gain a bunch just so I can have more in my pocket. 
but if I want to work to gain a, gain a lot. So yes, my kingdom can be enlarged, I'm talking about personally, but also that I can help others along the way and I can help God's church along the way. That is spiritual. So I want you to know, don't ever let fear keep you from going, it, going for it as it relates to God. Don't ever let contentment come out of laziness. And don't ever let small thinking be a substitute for thinking God-sized things. And so as we come down to this passage, I, I love this. Uh, when we think about what Jabez had, I, I want to pull a couple of things out. Um, Jabez, as we look in these few verses, well, I'm going to talk to you today about what did he have and then what did he ask for. And it's all going to come from these two verses. First thing, what did Jabez have? Thought number one, Jabez had great character. All right, Jabez had great character. And you say, where do you see that? Look at it in verse 9. It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. All right. Now, it's easy to do if you've got bad brothers. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, if you've got really bad brothers, it's a low bar, right? Anybody grow up in that house? Uh, yeah, some of you raise your hands. You know, if you have really bad brothers, it's easy to have noble character. You know, he's the noblest of all the others. But he had a character that mattered. Guys, there is nothing we can do about how we've lived our life in the past. But we can say today, in this moment, in this season, going forward, if I'm truly going to think big thoughts for God, if I'm going to do big things for God, if I'm going to attempt big things for God, and if I'm going to do like Jabez did, ask God to enlarge my territory, which is not unspiritual, I'm going to do it with great character. And so I love the last part. It says God granted Jabez his prayer. But it starts with character. So guys, in your mind, in your thought, what is it in your character that doesn't completely honor God? Is, is there something there that uh, your integrity is not where it needs to be, your honesty is not where it needs to be, uh, the words that you say, uh, you know, don't always honor and glorify God? Is there something in your relationships that causes you uh, to use people instead of uh, build them up and encourage them? I want to encourage you, those are character issues. And if we're truly going to be blessed by God, we've got to work on our character. We don't know how Jabez uh, had uh, great character. We don't know that much about his brothers other than they didn't have as good a character as he did. I don't know anything about your character in the past, but I do know that God wants to create godly men here at Cottonwood Creek who as best they can, regardless of their past mistakes, regardless of their past failures, they live with character. The men of Cottonwood Creek are the kind of men who say what they mean and mean what they say. That as best we can, regardless of who we've been in the past, that we live in such a way that, man, people trust us. And they hear that man's from Cottonwood Creek, and they go, man, you know, all the other guys that I've met from Cottonwood Creek, just great dudes. Man, that's who we want to be. 
And so for us to have God enlarge our territory and answer our prayer, it starts with our character. So guys, I, I don't. this is not a time we're not going to ask for confession time, but I'm going to invite you just in your own prayers and your minds right now. God, help me develop my character. Here's the second thing that I saw that he had. Jabez had great ambition. Jabez had great ambition. Notice what he says, verse 10. He says, Jabez cried out, prayed out to God, and said, enlarge my territory. Do you realize you can have great character? and great ambition at the same time? Because I would write both of those down because if you listen to many sermons, many Sunday school lessons, many devotional thoughts, it's like you can't have great ambition and great character together, can you? But it says right here he does. It is that Jabez had incredible character, but he also had incredible ambition. Guys, when you have the character of God in your life, when you have that Christ-like spirit in your life, you ought to be able to want to own the world. Why? Here's the point. If you've got an incredible Christ-like character, and all of a sudden God dropped $100 billion in your lap, first question, how many of you would take it? The others are lying through your teeth. If God wanted to drop $100 billion on me, I would take it. And I think my character would allow me to use it better than some of the other characters I see who have $100 billion. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Good Lord, if we have a Christ-like character and a godly character, we ought to pray, God, enlarge my territory. I saw, and I, I'm, I'm not throwing stones, I saw yesterday that apparently uh, the Gates, after 27 or 37 years of marriage, are, are about to get divorced. I keep thinking, am I a son? Can I get a portion of that? You know, that is really where I am. If I think about it, uh, I was not born into money. But I would have chosen to be if I could. How many of you would? I would, right? And if I have incredible character, it doesn't have, it does not matter how much I have. Why? Because I'm going to use it well. So as we think about this, guys, great character can be coupled in God's kingdom with great ambition. Jabez said, Lord, expand my territory. Here's the third thing that I see that he had. And apparently, um, he was pretty ordinary. He was born in sorrow. He's just listed there in the line. It doesn't say, at no point it says, his mother named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth in pain. It would make more sense, as we think about, if he had amazing talents. Uh, it'd make more sense if we said his mother named him Jabez because he was 6'9", 270, and ran a 43540. How many of you understand what I'm It doesn't tell us that he had any of those type traits. It just says he was born in sorrow. And so here's a great character, great ambition, ordinary talents. Boy, if you go to the New Testament, and uh, uh, Justin shared on this uh, a couple of weeks ago, talking about, you know, God, he gave, God gave some this many talents and some this many talents and some this many talents. I don't know if you feel like you're a top talent dude, a mid-level talent dude, or a bottom talent dude, or if you're Mr. Irrelevant. NFL draft, right? No one's irrelevant in God's kingdom. 
Nobody's talents and gifts are too few or too small to be used by God. I'm going to say that again. Nobody in God's kingdom have too few talents or too few gifts to be used by God for His kingdom. And let me put it another way. No one's too young. And for some in this room, no one's too old. God's still got a plan for you. It, we don't see in these two verses that, boy, Jabez, he was higher, he, he could jump higher, and he was swifter, and he was faster, and he could do this, and he was great with numbers, and he could program computers, and he could develop chips. It doesn't say any of that. Apparently, he was pretty ordinary. He was just a guy that had great character and great ambition and prayed and asked God to bless him. Here's the fourth thing that I see. Apparently, Jabez had a good prayer life. I, I will tell you that uh, it says Jabez cried out to God. That means he prayed to God. I, I will say that just uh, in my own personal life, in, uh, in our family, my wife's prayer life is way better than mine. Am I the only guy in the room that, that experiences that? Right. I I'll be honest with you. Uh, Gina's prayer life is way, way more significant than mine. That doesn't mean I don't pray. Doesn't mean I don't desire to pray. What it does mean for me is uh, I don't try to compete against her in prayer because I will lose. It means that she is one of those that can sit there at the fire, she can open her Bible, and she can begin to just pray, and she makes her list, and she's got all of those things. And uh, I'm the kind of guy that has to pray on the fly. We, we do our devotions. We're going through our devotions together right now, but, boy, she can just linger there in those moments for 30 and 45 and 50 minutes, and my mind begins to go crazy on everything that I need to do. And, and, but here's what we do understand is Jabez cried out to God. I think there are a lot of times that we can read these books on prayer and E.M. Bounds and so many other people and... Uh, well, Leonard Ravenhill, if you haven't heard of him, just go read some of his stuff on Revival. It's amazing. And he would talk about the hours and hours and hours he would linger in prayer. In the days and days and days he would linger in prayer. And if I set that as my example, I would always fail. I believe as men we can make a prior prayer a priority and still live our lives. Why? Because God has called us to do something. A lot of times what we don't realize, when we look back on some of those guys like E.M. Bounds and Leonard Ravenhill, if you read just in the context of when they wrote that book or when they spent those days, is they had people that would support them. They would go to a lake house somewhere, do nothing but write a book and pray. So it's easy. How many of you know if someone gives you a lake house and pays your salary and brings you food, it's easy to spend a lot of time in prayer. But for the vast majority of us, what do we have to do? We have to wake up, get a shower, brush your teeth, and go to work. But we still have to find in those moments and in those seasons, like Jabez, a priority of prayer. Guys, even if you think you are bad at prayer, you can still be better. I'm going to say that again. Even if you think you're bad at prayer, you can still be better, and we should be. 
So begin to develop this as a discipline. I will tell you the best thing that ever happens to me in a day is multiple times throughout the day is I have prayer resets. I have prayer resets in my life that I just settle down. I take a couple of deep breaths. I begin to reflect on my day. I begin to confess and I begin to say, God, teach me. How could I have handled that situation better? What can I do better? I also pray forward. Because there are times, probably like you and probably like me, that I know when I look on my calendar, uh, some of the cups of coffee I'm about to have, it's going to be a tough conversation. It's going to be a difficult season. It's going to be a tough, you know, I'm meeting with somebody or meeting with a couple at night or something. I know it's going to be a tough conversation. I need a prayer reset. So we need to have a priority in prayer if we're going to see God bless us in a way that God blessed Jabez. So I want to encourage you, whatever your prayer life is right, like right now, I want to encourage you, just decide to make it better. Whatever works for you, whatever pattern, whatever plan, uh, if it's multiple prayer times in the day, if it's a long morning prayer time like my wife, whatever it is, make prayer a priority. So if you think about Jabez, here were the four, th four things he had. He had great character, great ambition, he had ordinary talents, and he had a genuine prayer life. So now, then what did he ask for? Here are four asks, guys, that you can have. First of all, he asked for God's blessing. When is the last time you've asked for God's blessing in your life? Notice what it says. First Corinthians chapter, uh, First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10 says, Jabez cried out to God, the God of Israel, and he says, O oh Lord, that you would bless me. God bless me. He just prayed for God's blessings. When's the last time you said, God bless me? Bless me in what I say, bless me in what I do, bless me in my relationships, bless me at the office, bless me on my investments. Bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. I love if you jump to the New Testament, 3 John uh, chapter 1, verse 2. Here's what it says. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it is with your soul. As you think about it, John is saying, man, I pray that everything would go well with you. That you would be in good health as well as spiritually. That in all things, in your business, in your work, and everything that you do, that things would go well. What is he saying? John says, I pray that God would bless you. Then he says, under that category of all things, specifically, your health and your spiritual life. For you and I, as we think about God's blessing, say, God, I want you to bless me in everything. But I also want you to get specific. If you own a company... I pray that you are, you are asking God to bless your company by name. Please, God, bless my company and then name it. Bless my relationships, name them. Bless my ministry or service to you, God, and name it. It is okay to ask for God's blessing. And it's okay to ask for God to bless you more. That prayer I read Sunday in Ephesians chapter 3, if you go to the New American Standard, it says that God is able to do more than we can ask or even imagine, but in the New American Standard, it says more abundantly. Man, when is the last time you've asked God to bless you more abundantly? If God is blessing you abundantly now, ask Him to bless you more abundantly. If God is blessing you right now more abundantly, ask Him to bless you more, more abundantly. Ask God to do that. Because if your character's right and your ambition is right and your prayer life is right and your, and your talents are, are there, God will bless you. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. And I love that idea is that Jabez just cried out. He put it on the line and said, God, I want you to bless me. Here's the second thing he asked for. He asked for God's increase. 
Remember I said he had great ambition? He also asked for God's increase. You see it in verse 10. He says, Lord, that you would enlarge my territory, that you would expand my territory. Now, uh, I, I don't know what his specific situation is. We're not told. Uh, maybe it was uh, like many others in those days. They were, they'd come into the promised land, but they hadn't completely driven out the enemies. How many of you even know that was kind of their lot in life? They didn't fully obey God. They didn't fully get rid of the enemies. And so what was happening is in seasons, we see this with Gideon and other people in the judges and different things, that, that during times uh, the enemy would expand their territory and the children of Israel's territory would shrink. And so what you have here is Jabez, perhaps, he has been one, in one of those shrunken times, in those weakening times, in those times where his territory had gotten smaller. And so my guess is he probably in those days, it was an agrarian society, you probably understand this, most of us didn't grow up on a farm, but most of us at least understand the concept, the more land I have, the more I can grow. How many of us at least understand that? And so that was his prayer. Lord, expand my territory now i don't know what had happened i don't know if before this maybe his brothers had cut a deal maybe that's why his character was noble his brothers had cut a deal with uh, basically the enemies and said hey listen if you'll just kind of take care of us we'll be okay you can have more of our territory but jabez said no to that jabez said lord expand my territory why man more land more crops more blessings of God in his life and more blessings of God for those he take care of. Because once you have a larger land, you look all through Old Testament and New Testament, you have more servants servant you can take, for, take care of, you have more people you can care for. That's exactly what we see. And so I love the idea is that he prayed for God's increase. Guys, my, my encouragement to you, as long, as long as you develop a prayer life, Pray for God's increase. Pray for God to bless you. Here's the third thing he asked for. He asked for God's presence in his life. I love it. He asked for God's presence in his life. Notice what it says in verse 10. He says, God, let your hand be with me. That's God's presence. When's the last time you or I have prayed, God, be with me all day. In every moment, in every thought, in every conversation, in every season, in every decision. Every thought, every conversation, every relationship, every season, every decision, everything I do. Sometimes if we are faithful in our devotions, we want to spend time with God and then hope he's not looking the rest of the day. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We've all been there, right? Is man, we pray to God and confess all the sins of yesterday and then say, I'll see you back tomorrow. God, please don't watch. That's facetious, guys. I'm not encouraging that lifestyle. But man, here's the point. Is we want to have God's presence with us every moment, every day, every season, every hour. And, and I want you to know, guys, as your pastor and as your friend, I can only imagine what God would do through the men of Cottonwood Creek. I can only imagine what God would just do through the men sitting in here or joining us on Zoom. If when we broke here in a second after I prayed, we all stood up 
And as we left, we said, God, expand my territory, but God, let your presence be with me. And every time you walked into someone's office or someone walked into your office or you encountered someone on the job site or you talked to someone, you knew that God's presence was right there with you, leading you and showing you the way and encouraging you along the path. He prayed for God's presence. Now, here's number four. And I want you to know this is a legitimate prayer as well, part of his prayer. He prayed for God's protection. So what, what did he pray for? Boy, he, he prayed for God's blessings. He got, prayed for God's increase. He prayed for God's presence. And then jump down, notice in verse 10, it says he prayed for God's pr- pr- protection. He says, and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his success. Uh, how many of you have heard the old phrase, no pain, no gain? You know, if that's what you have to go through, okay. But I'm also willing to accept gain without pain. Am I the only guy in the room? Right? If I don't have to go through the pain, I don't have to ask for it, right? We understand if we're going to get stronger, or if we're going to run further, if we're going to ride our bike further, there are a lot of things. You just got to suck it up and you got to endure a little pain. But, man, I don't have to pray for pain. Now, when I have pain, I can be like the Apostle Paul. What? He said, I had a thorn in my flesh. I prayed three times that God would take it away, and God didn't take it away. Therefore, I realized God's strength is going to be manifest in my weakness. If you're going through one of those painful seasons, man, pray that God would take it away. If God doesn't take it away, you keep journeying forward and saying, God, I don't know why you're leaving this thorn in the flesh in my life, but I'm not going to let it keep me from asking for your blessings, for your increase for your presence with me as well as your protection. And I love this idea. Guys, there is nothing wrong with you asking for God to protect your health, your wealth, your business, and your relationships. There is nothing wrong with asking God to protect your health, your wealth, your business, and your relationships. That's exactly what he said. He says, Lord, keep me from harm so that I would be free from pain. Now, now get this. We don't know why, but his mom named him Sorrow because he was born in pain and he was born in sorrow. Here he is praying, Lord, keep me from pain. I believe that's some of the reason, if you look at that Hebrew word, that some of the commentators believe that that when it says he was born in pain, that there was some sort of handicap he had. they They would say it was a physical pain. I don't know. But some of us in this room have a physical pain. I think I just heard someone can't taste or something like that. You know, there's a physical pain. There are others. You have relationship pain. That some of you have been through some difficult relationships. You didn't grow up in the best household. Uh, You went through a difficult marriage. You struggle with a son or a mom or a dad. And you've got some pain in your life. It's okay to pray, God, keep me from pain. Let me navigate through pain. Let me roll through life without pain. And then I love this, guys, and don't ever forget this. God granted his request. In those words, if you look in the original language, it doesn't say that God finally went, okay. Guys, if you have the right character and you ask God the right thing, it's God's heartbeat to bless you. You don't have to pry it out of his hands. You don't have to beg, borrow, and ask God 
God, could you just throw me a crumb? Man, if who we are is right, and what we ask is right, the God who spoke the world into existence is more than happy to expand your territory. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, I thank you for every guy in this room and everyone listening on Zoom. God, let us leave here today with a character that matches Christ, with a vision that is your vision, with your presence as well as your protection. And God, expand our territories. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Good seeing you newbies. And uh, you all have a good day. Bring somebody back with you next Tuesday.